Praise the Lord. Well, we've known Jeremy for a number of years. I think it was, like they said, eight years ago that he held a prophetic boot camp, which is exactly what we're going to teach this coming winter. But Jeremy came and taught a prophetic boot camp here in the church. And I was blessed and strengthened by what he said and what he taught. And I just enjoy him. I love the way he carries himself. I love his faith. I love his delving into the unseen and the seen and the two spiritual realms and the two realms. Uh, so I'd like you to give us a hand, give him a hand. Jeremy Karras from Knoxville, Tennessee. Thank you all. Appreciate it. My, yeah, here's the, I guess this is the one that somebody lost. Let me give you that. Yeah. And then I actually have another one. Is there anybody that doesn't have one that wants one? There you go. This, this is something that I've been teaching for, oh, wow, a long time. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's been quite a while. And um, it's developed over the years. So I think when I was here in about eight years ago, um, we've expanded a little bit. We've added a little bit to it. And, and uh, just a lot of questions people have had over the years. It's, it's been fun. That's the core of who I am. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm called as a prophet, but I'm gifted as a teacher. So it, it ends up looking like equipping a lot. <laughs> I'm an equipper. I get people to make moves. That's what I want to do. And this, that's what my message is going to be today. So I got this, I got these, it's kind of been my word for the year, the past two years, really. And so I've got these wristbands out on the, um, in the foyer there. And uh, you're welcome to have one. They're free. And uh, just as a reminder, uh, what I'm going to talk about today. But before I do, I just thought I'd explain a little bit about myself. My name is Jeremy Karras. And we have a ministry named KarrisMinistries.com. We have a... Uh, postcards out on the uh, out in the lobby as well where you can go online at our website we have some resources on there we're planning to put some more equipping online uh, over the next year we had some up before and the format didn't work really well but we do the prophetic boot camp um, we did advanced prophetic and seer training this weekend uh, we got through about maybe half of it yeah <laughs> we had in the amount of time we had we just crammed it in um, but I also teach on dreams God speaks to us in dreams, and I love, I love the fact that God speaks to us in dreams. It used to be intimidating to me just because, you know, you have to interpret. <laughs> that's the thing. That's the thing with dreams. Why don't you just, God, why don't you just tell me? Why don't you just lay it out and explain it? You know, and he, 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 likes, to, he likes us to dig. He likes us to pursue. And so he, he's, he's a perfect God, and he, he knows how to intrigue us. And once you realize that God actually is speaking to us in our dreams, it's, it's, it's pretty incredible. You know, not every dream is a God dream. You do have pizza dreams. <laughs> and pregnancy dreams are, are crazy. But um, I never had, not that I've had one, but you know what I'm saying. And uh, God, but God, you know, the Bible says in Job that he speaks to men in one way or two in dreams and visions of the night, even though they don't know it, even though they're not aware of it. And so I want to just encourage you um, to Tune in. Just lean your ear in and just expect that God is speaking. You. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they know me. And that's really my core scripture, the prophetic boot camp, because if you know him, if you've given your life to him, your heart to him, he speaks to you. We just have to learn how to hear the whisper that he he's, he's speaking. In Genesis 1, it says that Adam and Eve, they fellowshiped with the voice in the garden. So we got to learn to lean in and hear the voice. And um, he, he, loves to, he loves to whisper into our heart. And a lot of times that's what it is. It's, you know, we want the dramatic, you know, amazing, shock me, you know. But usually it's just subtle. And so I want to encourage you just to kind of tune in and um, look for the voice. Look to see. Listen to hear. Amen. My wife, I w wish she could have been here with us today. She sends her love. Um, she is the memory care director at an assisted facility, uh, assisted living facility. So she was not able to get away this weekend, but uh, she wished she could be here. I've had a wonderful time with Connie and, and Alger. Just appreciate everything that everybody's done here, just to make me feel welcome. It's been good. 
but it's not over yet. I got a word for you today, and I want you to turn with me and just ahead a little bit. I'm going to end up here, but in Acts chapter 8 is where I'm really going to spend my time. But, you know, the, Lord, the Lord's been speaking to me a couple of things this year that have really been kind of prominent and kind of standing out above everything else. And I, as I was praying this weekend, I've had, you know, sometimes when you're prophetic, you, you know, you can have good ideas. But in the moment, you, you, you're always kind of asking God, is this it? Is this where we're going? And, you know, the Lord this morning, you know, I, I, I kind of knew that I was going to end up in this area. But this morning, the Lord said, make moves. I heard it again. And, and, and it's interesting to me that the words came out about the drums this morning, the drums that, you know, kind of as the one man said, you know, the, the, the leaders on the battlefield send messages to the troops. God's got messages to send, and he wants us to make moves. This is one of those words that I really feel like we need to, uh, we need to embrace in our personal lives. I, I, I'm impressed with the church here, and I got I to gotta say, I, I told Pastor Eric, I, I'm, I just honor his leadership. I, I, I'm telling you, I've, I've been to a lot of churches. Uh, we, we, we encourage and back up leaders in a number of churches, too, on a regular basis, and it's not often that I see leadership that allows other people to be leaders. I mean, it shouldn't be that way, but it's really not as common as you would hope it is. And I see that here, and it's incredible. And, uh, you know, a number of the leaders here have shared with me about how you're pursuing God's plan and the things that God says. I, you know, the fact that you all are so focused on worship and the prophetic and allowing that to be such a prominent driving uh, force behind the direction of the church is just, it, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible. It, it's, it's, it's not as common as I believe it should be. And so I just really honor Pastor Eric and, and Karen and just the whole leadership in the church. It's just incredible what God can do, the potential of what's possible when you just listen to hear and then you say yes and start making moves. It's incredible the potential that could just unfold. You just have no idea. You have no idea what it might look like tomorrow. You know, if you, if you live that way, that's what it's like to live by the Spirit. You, you just don't know. I often say that, you know, life in the prophetic is, you could summarize it like this. One thing led to another. <laughs> that, that's, that's what it's like. How did I get here? I don't know. The Lord told me one thing, and before long, one thing led to another, and here I am. And, and you will be shocked at what God will do. We come up, you know, there's a way that seems right to man. We can come up with a lot of good ideas, a lot of good plans, but God will take the whole army and say, let's go down by the river and just see which ones drink in an odd way. You know, what is this? This doesn't, make, this doesn't even make sense. I mean, it's not only not logical, it's just, it's just bizarre you know, but God will do stuff like that, and if we tune in and listen and, 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 and pursue, man, all things are possible, one of my favorite verses right there, all things are possible, and so um, I want to just encourage you today, not just as a, as a body and as a church, but individually in your own lives, I really want to encourage you to make moves, you know, so many times we feel like that's pastor's job or that's the leadership's job. They, they got, they, they've got something special on them. That's not, that's not the way God planned it. God, God, God uses leaders to raise the whole body to do the work. You know, Ephesians 4 says that the, the fivefold apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists, the purpose is to raise up the body to do the work. That's how it's supposed to be. And so... We're not really going to be able to step into everything that we dream. We're not going to really be able to see the potential come forth that we are glimpsing until we come together as a body and just pursue God each in our own way, make moves each in our own lives. Amen. It's not their job. It's all of our jobs. And so I just want to encourage you, you, you can do more than you think you can do. And um, you just never know until you make moves. 
You just never know. So, you know, in Acts, Jesus really, in the end of Matthew chapter 28, Jesus, you know, he was raised from the dead. And he, the, he was resurrected, in resurrected form, he appears to his disciples and he tells them, go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, every nation, right? Make disciples of all nations and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And then Acts 1, Acts 1 comes around and it says in Acts 1, 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, right? And it's almost as if Jesus said, listen, I want you to go into Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. I want you to go out. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Go forth and, and in my name, and I'll guide you. I'll speak to you. I mean, he also told him at one point, he said, don't worry about what you're going to say when they pull you up in front of judges or anybody else. Don't worry about having it all together. You know, sometimes it's a lot of us really are comfortable if we have a list. You know, we need a list. We want to. We want some kind of give me. Some, give me something to say. Something to start with. That's okay. But there's a better way, and it, it can be a little scary. But if we just step out and and let the pressure, let God take the pressure, because it's no. It's not. It's not pressure. There's no pressure to perform in the kingdom, and 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 with God, all things are possible. So if you just step in and you just show up, that's that's just show up is half the half of what you need to do right there. And and you'll be amazed at what God will do if you just show up. But it's as if Jesus said, I want you to go out into all the earth, preach the gospel, tell them the good news, but first wait. <laughs> but just wait. Don't go yet. Wait until you receive power from one high first. Go in all the world, but wait until you get power. So they go to Jerusalem. They're in the upper room. You all know the story. Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2. Tongues of fire fall upon them. They're baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. And they speak in other languages, speak in other tongues. And they received power to fulfill the word that Jesus gave them to fulfill. Now, here's the thing. I don't know if you realize this. But they didn't leave Jerusalem. <laughs> Jesus is telling them, go ye in all the world. But first, wait, wait, wait. Don't, don't go yet. Wait till you receive power. They received power, and then they had, you know, little power parties all the time. They would get together, and we're going to have God times, and we're going to have good times. And that's awesome. But, we, but they forgot. And we're talking about now the 12 apostles, right? These are the, now these are the big guys. These are, these are not just the disciples now. These are the apostles. And actually, there was 11. Uh, you know, and then they replaced Judas with Matthias, but they they didn't they didn't go out. They didn't go forth into all the earth. They stayed in Jerusalem, and they started coming under persecution. Now God will do a number of things. You know, God will send you. God will say go. God will God will make open doors for you. God will provide opportunities. You'll be like, yeah, this is good, but I I, I got things to do first, and I'm gonna. I'm, I'm just going to wait around, you know, and, you know, windows of opportunity close and seasons change. And then, you know, before long, persecution came and it's like, if you're not going to go, I'm going to press. <laughs> not that God brought persecution, but if they would have, I believe, if they would have followed what the Lord had said, this is the key. We, we really need to listen. What did he say? We need to pay attention to what he said, because it's easy to hear, go ye in all the world one minute, and then receive power and forget what he said last week. We, 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 need to, we need to remember his words to focus on what is it that he said? What, are we on track or are we, or are we just looking for the next? Some, honestly, with prophetic people, sometimes we're always looking for the next word, but not stewarding the word that we've already received. And that's an important, important principle to follow. We need to steward the word that God's already given us. And so, for whatever reason, they didn't. And they stayed in Jerusalem. And in Acts chapter 6, if you want to turn just back maybe a page, I'm on page 914. So if you, 914, <coughs> Acts chapter 6, 
the, 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 the uh, disciples, the apostles, and the, the early church are in Jerusalem, and it says in verse 1, Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, Is it not right that we should give up? It is not right that we should give up the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And whatever and, and what they said pleased the whole gathering gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of, of the Holy Spirit, and Philip and Pronicus. And of other guy, I can't say his name, Nicanot. Nicanot. How would you like that name? Nicanot. Timon and Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. And they, they set these before the apostles, and they prayed and laid hands on them. And the word of God confirmed, continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the persons became, uh, even uh, the priests, became obedient to the faith. Now, in Acts chapter 4, you also see how the apostles were performing, performing great signs and wonders. All, I mean, they were blowing up. The church was growing. The power of God was active. They were, they were growing so much now. The apostles, you know, it's, it can sound sometimes when we read this in English translations, you know, it's, it's, we, we, we don't feel the emotion of what it is, and we, we assume things. Like, it just sounds like, hey, guys, listen. We're a little bit above this now. It's not right that we should serve tables. We're, um, we, we, we should devote ourselves to prayer. Th that's not the attitude that they were carrying. They, th in fact, they were doing it first. They actually were serving first, and they were saying, listen, we're multiplying. We're growing. We can't continue to steward what God's doing unless we raise up other leaders to do what we've been doing. That's, that's really what's happening here. And I love the fact that they raised, they picked people who were uh, full of faith and power, full of the Holy Ghost. That's, that's, a, that's a wild thing because these guys, they, they're just serving tables. They're, 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 they were deacons. Do you know the word deacon literally means table waiter? It literally means table waiter. And so they needed people to serve, so they picked the people that were most, that they identified that, Everybody knew they were full of power, full of the Holy Ghost, full of faith, men of honor. That's, that's, a, that's an amazing kind of difference between a lot of churches. It's just like, hey, whoever's available, can we get anybody to do something? This is not, no, no, it's an honor to serve. It's an honor to serve. And so they picked people like Stephen and Philip. And you see Stephen in this book, then he seized he, he's, he gives this incredible, uh, convicting message. He comes back and he just, he ties everything all up in a ball and presents Jesus as king of the universe, really, and, and, and lord over all. And he sees him, he has a vision, sees him, and they see his face shines like an angel and while they're killing him. <laughs> he was martyred for the faith. And after that, persecution just increased this is when you know Saul came along and you know before he was Paul and he had orders to arrest Christians he had he had he had in writing he could he could arrest them take them to the synagogue to be beaten kill he they, they they were really not happy about this situation that was growing and increasing they thought maybe if we if we kill Jesus it'll kind of put an end to all this but it didn't it just continued to increase but because of the persecution some incredible things happened. In chapter 8, which is where we're going to stay, in chapter 8, we see Philip. Now, what's interesting to me is Philip, again, there was a, you know, Philip, there was an apostle named Philip, all right? But this is not the same guy. There was an apostle named Philip, and then this is what they consider Philip the evangelist. They call him the evangelist because of what you what we'll read here but they were two different men this is philip that was raised up as an apostle was a table waiter was a man full of faith and power a man who moved in the power of god in serving and he, he it wasn't just it waiting on tables god used all of these people who really we the only two that we really ever know what they did after this was stephen and philip 
I wish we knew about these other guys and what became of them. But we do know about Philip, and, and this is where it gets really interesting to me. And this is what I kind of want to uh, hone in on today and show you about what God wants to do with making moves. He wants you to kind of follow, pursue. But Philip, it says in, in eight chapter, chapter 8, verse 1, it says, And Saul approved of his execution, talking of, of Stephen. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devote men, men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him, but Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. And now they were scattered. Uh, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds, with one accord, paid attention to, to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. He wasn't just talking. He was doing. For unclean spirits came out of many who were possessed, crying with a loud voice, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And so there was uh, much joy in that city. That, that, that right there is, is an amazing, amazing paragraph to me. Here's this man. He's not one of the apostles. He's not one of the, the big guys. He's a table waiter. And he leaves because of persecution. And he's not the only one, but he leaves because of persecution. Now, if you put yourself in Philip's position, think about this. I imagine that it would be hard to be walking into Samaria full of faith and power. Like, I'm going to light this place on fire for Jesus. This is going to, we're going we're gonna to see a revival in Samaria. No, no, no. He left in fear. He not only left in fear, but the apostles didn't go. So he, he must have been feeling like they stayed, but I was so afraid I ran. Maybe I should have stayed too. I, I wasn't as bold as they were bold. They're, they're sticking with it even in persecution. That's, that's what Jesus did. He, he stayed in the middle of persecution even to the death. Maybe that's what I should have done. I can imagine kind of the feelings going on in, in Philip's heart. Maybe I'm not as full of faith and power as I thought I was. Can you, can you see that? It just, it just got, it had to, it had to be a, a, at least a lingering thought in his mind. But he didn't let it stop him. He, he ended up in Samaria, which was where all the outcasts were. They were, they were out, Samaria, where, you know, you know, you remember the story of the woman at the well? That was in Samaria. There was a Samaritan woman at the well, and they're like, we shouldn't be talking to her. These, these, are, these are people that split off from the rest of the Jews, and, and they went out, and they're kind of, they're the outcasts. So Philip ends up with all the outcasts. I love the outcasts. I fit right in with the outcasts, right? I feel more comfortable with outcasts than with, you know, people that think they're special. <laughs> right? And I think Philip probably felt the same way, but he had to have a, a struggle at this point, going to Samaria, I'm stuck. I'm in here with the outcasts. The, 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 the apostles are in here. I, 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 what am I going to do? But he just he just doesn't let the circumstances of his life stop him. I think when we make moves, sometimes we don't make moves for the, the maybe the best reasons or maybe we don't. Maybe we make moves because we don't have a choice. But even in the middle of that, God will use your situation. He'll put you in in in, in situations. I, I I think maybe sometimes we just need to allow ourselves to get into situations and see what God will do. And that's what happened to Philip. It just ended up in a situation. He really was, it wasn't num choice number one. It was, this was not plan A. But in the middle of this situation, let's just see what God does. He starts speaking, sharing good news. And I'm going to tell you right now, the power, signs, and wonders come with good news. They don't come with bad news. They come with good news. You want to see the power, the signs and wonders, you speak good news. The good news of Jesus Christ. And so Philip, he's, he's out here, and people are getting delivered from evil spirits, which, by the way, hasn't changed. That's a controversial subject or not, but that hasn't changed. Like, they haven't gone anywhere. I'm still same situation. We're still in the same world. Um, and there's people still being delivered. And Christians still have power. And you, because you have the same spirit they have, 
has raised Christ from the dead living in you, you have more power than they could ever throw at you. Any unclean spirit, any person that can come against you and try to overcome you, shut you down. Philip encounters this guy named Simon, the magician here, right? And Simon sees what he's doing. Simon, he's well known. He's been around. He's been doing stuff, and it's not of God. He had real power, but he, he recognized that what Philip had was different. He recognized that what Philip had was something that he had never touched, a, a level of, of power that he absolutely wanted. And he went about it the wrong way, but he was hungry for what he saw. He didn't understand what it was, but it says in verse 12, when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip, seeing signs and great miracles performed. And he was amazed. Now, here's the here's the thing that that just to me is just awesome. The next thing we see, keep it in perspective. Philip goes there. He starts a revival. He's not trying to start a revival. He just goes. He just makes moves. He just opens his mouth, whatever the opportunity was. We don't know what it looked like, but he just starts talking to people, and he starts telling good news. Things start happening. People start getting delivered. Before long, Samaria is on the news. You know, what's going on in Samaria? And then even Simon the magician is getting saved. Something's really happening. Something's going on down here. Now the, now the apostles hear about it. Now this is what's awesome. Listen to this. In verse, in verse uh, well, let's start in verse 14. It says, now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard, they're, they're, they're thinking, we're bold. We're going to stay in Jerusalem, see the power of God. And they're like, wait a minute, what's going on? What do you, what's you, what do you got going on down here in Samaria? They heard what's going on, uh, that uh, Samaria had received the word of God, and they sent to them Peter and John who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For they had not, for he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of Jesus. This is incredible to me. This is incredible right here. You know what this speaks about? Alignment, which is the other word that God has given me for the year. Alignment. You're not going to do it by yourself. Even though you need to make moves individually, you're only a part you're only a piece. You're one part of the body. You can't do it alone. So, uh, Philip is full of faith and power. He's full of the Holy Ghost. That's why he was chosen to be a table waiter. And he's moving in power, seeing people delivered, signs, wonders, miracles that are blowing away Simon the magician, well known for all of this. And yet, in all of that, nobody had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That, 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 that's amazing to me. That's amazing to me. You would think that Simon's like, listen, this is, this is the newest thing. This is what God, this is the latest thing that God's doing. He, he's filling people, baptizing people with the Holy Spirit, with fire, and speaking in other tongues, prophesying, not just miracles, signs, and wonders. There's something God has poured out his spirit on all flesh, just like he prophesied in the book of Joel. This is amazing to me. That Philip is moving in power, and yet nobody's received the baptism of the Holy Spirit until somebody else comes down and aligns with him. They partnered together. They partnered together. And so these apostles come down, and it says in verse 17, they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw the Holy Spirit was given through laying on the apostles' hands, he offered them money. He still didn't, under, he did, still didn't understand you know, what's happening, even though he believed he, he still didn't get it. But the apostles came down and partnered with it. They didn't, this is, this is awesome because they didn't come down and say, okay, we're the apostles. We're here now. You, 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 can, all, you can all just, Philip, thank you for what you started here. You're doing a good job. We're going to, you know, we're going to send you to another town now. We're going to take over. We've got a revival going here. We need to, you know. This, this is too often the way it is in the church, honestly. Some, something happens, something starts to happen, and somebody important comes along and says, look, we need, to, we need to make sure that we handle this just right. But they didn't let, they didn't, they didn't let that mentality creep in. 
They, in fact, Philip, we don't, we don't even know really what happened in, in Samaria except that Philip began to move on. And this, this, is, this is really neat because it says in, in verse uh, 26, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go to the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. So in the middle of this revival, God starts telling Philip, I want you to go somewhere else. That doesn't sound like a good idea, right? I mean, honestly, wait a minute, God. We, we've, got a, we've got something going on here. You're, you're delivering people. People are being filled with the Spirit, power, signs, wonders, all kinds of stuff's going on. This doesn't make sense. doesn't make sense that I should go down, you know, away from this. They need me here. They need me here. But Philip, he goes. It says, it says, and he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Now, wait a minute. You, you want me, God, to leave this revival for one man? You want me to, all these people being saved, healed, delivered, and you want me to go to talk to one man who's a really important person in another country who I'm never going to get to see again. You, you want me to take my, myself over and, and go down there. Now, in this scripture, it actually says, the angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go to the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. If you look at that word south, it literally means at noon, at noonday. It's usually in English translated south, but it, by in, it's, it literally means noonday and by implication south. Look it up. That's your homework for the day. All right. So I, I happen to think he's already describing where the road is. I think he's telling them, go down to that road that's going from Jerusalem to Gaza at noon. Either way, he only gave them a couple things. He gave them a what and a when or a what and a where. Well, he did give them aware either way. What, when, maybe aware. Or what, where, and maybe when. <laughs> you're, you're with me, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right? This, this is the problem. We want God to tell us what, where, when, why, how. We, we, want, we want all the answers before we go. We want to know every bit before we make moves. We say, God, send me. I'll do it. We, we, get, we, we have those moments, and we're like, God, I, I, I will do it. You, you tell me what to do, I'll do it. And then God tells you what to do, and you say, okay, when? Where, where, where do I do that at? How am, how am I going to do that? And you know what God does? He gets quiet. I don't know why, but he loves this. He loves it. He will not give you all five answers. He never does. Now listen, if he does for you, that's amazing. I love it. You come lay hands on me and give me, give me some of that. But as far as I know, I don't know of anybody yet where he's ever done that with. And Philip says, okay. He doesn't know why he's going. At this point, an angel, I wish we knew what this was like. What was it like when that angel came? We know, we know an angel came and spoke to him. And we're just like, that's all I need right there. Give me an angel. Come, come tell me. Send an angel. But you know, angels are spirits. He perceived the angel in spirit. It probably, most likely, was not as dramatic as you kind of envisioned it might have been. It could have even been in a dream. Do, do you know that the reason that Jesus was not killed as a baby is because his father listened to the direction of an angel in a dream? I didn't explain what that looked like either. But it could have easily been written off. I'm, I'm very sure of that. Could have easily woke up and felt like, I think that was a God dream, but I'm not really sure. That, that, that's just a dream. But he followed that dream, and he also came back when he had another dream. Came back from Egypt. And so Philip, he goes on just a couple pieces. we got to follow clues. We have to learn to follow the clues all along the way. God gives us a little bit, and it's enough to get us going in a direction. You might not have all the answers answered yet, 
but you're going to get more of the answers as you go. In fact, the power comes as you go. It really does. And so Philip takes off. He goes. He goes down on this road. He doesn't even know why he's there. He doesn't know what's going to happen. He doesn't know what he's looking for. Picture yourself in this situation. God gives you this impression. You need to go down to this place at noon. For what? Why? What am I going to tell my family I'm doing? Well, I just feel like I'm supposed to go down there and sit there. I don't know why you're going. God told me to go. Why did God tell you to go? I don't know. <laughs> just do it. Just go. Make moves. You don't know what's going to happen, but I'll guarantee you one thing. One thing will lead to another. And before long, what in the world? How did I get in this situation? Now listen, reading on it says, in verse 29, when Philip saw the Ethiopian, really, the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and join to this chariot. I think this is, this is, this is one of those things where it's like what I call a prophetic trigger. He didn't know anything until he saw that one man. And he probably saw other people too. But he's looking, he's looking. You know, you, know what, you know what he did? He postured his heart. He's not going there saying, all right, God. And, you know, sometimes we go, we, we, do, we make the move, and then we go there and we're like, I hope nothing happens. I hope I don't have to talk to anybody because I don't know if I can do this, you know. Philip, didn't, you need to just be bold because I'm, I'm telling you, too often we're afraid of the crowd when actually God just wants us to connect with one person. You, you should set your mind in a different perspective. Maybe you're an evangelist and you're like, no, I'm getting a whole crowd. We're going after all. That's great. If you're like that, go for it. If you're not, start thinking about it like this. When you go somewhere, who's that one person? Where's, where's that one person? I don't know who it is, but who is it? And when, it, when he saw that Ethiopian, something, pulled a trigger. He, something inside him, there's something about that guy. There's something different about that guy, what's going on. But he would have never found that if he wouldn't have postured his heart, just look to see. He just leans forward like, all right, who is it? Who is it? There, this is the difference. This is the difference in faith. See, everything happens by faith. Nothing's going nothing's gonna to come together without faith, right? So the, so the difference is, instead of going in and saying, God, are you going to do something? I'm here now. Are you going to do something? He postures forward like, what are you going to do and who is it? Where is it at? What's going on? It's looking to see. And so as soon as he saw the Ethiopian, the spirit said to Philip, what if he hadn't looked? Because he, he didn't tell him in the first place, you're going to go down to this road, you're going to look for an Ethiopian. What if he hadn't even tried to look? He would have never heard the next step. And sometimes years go by and we're like, God, you told me this years ago, but I'm still waiting for that next step. And God's saying, do the last thing I told you. And keep going forward and then look to see. Posture yourself forward. Okay, so Philip ran. I think it was unnecessary. Um, by the way, I'm, he's a runner. I'm not. We were running. Talking about this. I'm not a runner. Like this, it does say that as they went later. So they probably were moving. But I like to think that you know Philip was just a little overzealous, <laughs> and he's running to the chariot. I don't run to the chariot. All right, I'm not. I don't run unless I'm being chased. And he says, it says, he says to him. And he heard him reading the Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said to him, how can I understand unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And now the passage he was in the scripture he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he, led, uh, he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before its shear is, is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation for his life is taken away from the earth? And the eunuch said to Philip, how about whom? I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? And then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. He goes 
because he is prompted. But he doesn't know what he's there for. He doesn't know what he's going to say when he gets there. He doesn't know how it's going to work out or if it's even going to turn into anything. He just says yes and takes that next step. He makes moves on the hints that he has. And when he gets there, he doesn't, he doesn't even, he's running to this chariot probably, right? He runs over to this chariot and he has no idea. If you, listen, if I'm driving down the road and you come running at my car, I, I, I'm probably not going to take it well right away, right? <laughs> it's not going to look good. Don't come running at my car. But Philip, he's running at this chariot and this guy's an important guy. I can imagine he probably had somebody with him, probably had a bodyguard or something. And that bodyguard's probably like, hey, 10 feet, buddy, you know? And, and so he runs over, but this zealousness that he has, he doesn't have a clue what he's going to say next. He, he doesn't even know what the conversation's going to be. Talk about awkward situations, you know? You want it, somebody, and then you just stand there, you don't know what you're going to say? That, that's a little bit awkward. I love awkward situations. I think it's hilarious. But that, that to me, that to me is just some boldness right there. But he just finds out where the guy's at. What's going on right now? You know why? God sent me right now. Why am I here right now? What are you going through? You don't have to ask him this checklist of questions like, did you ever sin? Are you, did you ever steal anything? Are you going to hell? You know, you know, you don't have to ask them all. Just say, what's going on with you? What's, what's going on in your head right now? What are you reading? What's, a, what's, the, what's happening in your life right now? And he finds out what's going on. And from that point, he didn't have a plan. He just started talking about good news. You know why? Because he realized good news leads to the release of God's power to heal, save, and deliver. And so as he shared that good news, the Ethiopian responded, and it says, it says in verse 36, it says, and, they, and as they were going along the road, it came to some water, and the eunuch said, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he, com and he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down to the water, and Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. In verse 39, and when he came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself. How'd you like to find yourself? In Azotos, of all places. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Samaria. One thing led to another. Listen, I would love to end up, maybe this afternoon, get in my car and end up in Knoxville. And just find myself in Knoxville, right? But God did this. God did it because one thing led to another. Why did God do it? He's, in, he's incredible. He, 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 loves, he loves surprises. He's like, I'm not going to tell you everything. Just go. And when you get there, I'll tell you something else. And the next thing he knows, he finds himself in another town. Now, I don't know if anybody was waiting for Philip for dinner that night, you know, back in Samaria or not. But somebody might have been like, uh, Philip, Miss Philip, I'm telling you what, <laughs> we got dinner ready on the table waiting, and God's like, no, no, I gotta send him, I gotta send him somewhere else. He ends up in Azotos, which is about 25 miles away. That was about 25 miles away, and he went from there preaching the good news everywhere he went. I love that heart in Philip. Wherever he found himself, he just shared good news. He didn't know what was going to happen, but he just made moves. He, he didn't know, he didn't, he didn't go out with some grandiose idea to start a, a, a revival in Samaria. He just ended up there, maybe not even in the best circumstances, but he just shared good news. And God moved, and people were delivered. People's lives were changed forever because he made moves. He, went, he ran to this chariot, and he just talked, don't, don't, without even any idea what he's going to say, starts talking to this man. Next thing he knows, he's 25 miles away, walking through cities, sharing the gospel. Ends up in, some, in, in uh, Caesarea. Is that right? Yes. Caesarea. Caesarea is where, he, where Paul visits him later, and he's got four daughters who prophesy. I don't know if he stayed there, if he went back, came back, or what, but he ended up in Caesarea. And God used him in mighty, mighty ways, even though he wasn't one of the 
amazing people that you think this is, I mean, he sounds like it now, right? Because we read about him. But at that time, Philip was just a table waiter. I want to encourage you today to shift your mindset. That all you have to do is be one who's willing to serve, willing to say yes. Just make moves. Take a chance. Amen. Can we have a worship team come up or just a little bit of uh, instrumental worship? We're just going to pray for a moment. But I, I, I think this region needs you to make moves. And it's not some big dramatic thing that you have to orchestrate. It's not some amazing plan that you have to come up with. It's this afternoon. When you go out and get lunch, you, you know what? You don't, have to, you don't have to witness to your wait, waitress or waiter. Sometimes we feel pressured, like that's what it means, evangelism. I'll go out and lunch. You know, just be nice to your waitress or waiter for one thing. And, and for the other thing, just look around the room because maybe they're not the one. Maybe there's somebody else that all of a sudden, as you see them, the Holy Spirit highlights to you. There's something about them. Talk to that one person. What am I going to say? I don't know. I don't know what you're going to say. Maybe you're not really going to say much of anything. Maybe as you look at them, you just start seeing and perceiving some things about them. Because if you tune in, the more you just lean in and you're just listening for what that next clue is, sometimes God gives you another whisper just right there. Instead of saying, go over there and talk to them, sometimes he says, here's what's going on. Sometimes he gives you a little clue that, that shows you what's happening in, inside right now. Sometimes you'll see them and you'll know they, they, they are going through depression right now. They've, they've been, they, they, they need, just need somebody to love on them. You, you would be shocked. I, I've, I've seen people who just broke because I took the time to just talk to them for a minute and just give them a hug. You, you would be shocked. Listen, God will use you in amazing, dramatic ways. You don't know what it's going to come to. You don't know what it's going to look like when it's all said and done, but I know, but I know that God will use any one of us that are willing to go and make moves. Amen? Why don't you all just stand up for a moment? And in closing, you know, last night ministered to the youth and the young adults, and I told them that God wants their yes. God just needs your yes. And I'm going to challenge you with the same thing. God just wants your yes. You just need to give it to him before the opportunity comes up. Because sometimes when the opportunity comes up, we find excuses. And it really doesn't have to be an awkward situation when the opportunity comes up. It doesn't have to be high pressure. It's just you being you. But just being willing to open your heart and take a moment. And then one thing leads to another. And before long, they're pulling on you. They're asking you, can you, can you pray for me? Can you, can you just, are you in a hurry? Can we just sit down and have coffee? And can I, can I just tell you more about what's happening with my life? You don't know what's going to happen, but I know this. In my experience, it's easier to see the power of God move outside of these four walls. It really is. God loves his kids. And God moves in churches. But I'm telling you what, his heart beats for the lost. God so loved. The, he so loved so much that he went and left heaven to move earth, to shake people's hearts. He came to seek and save. He, he went out looking. And I'm telling you, if you take a chance and you just say yes right now, and you just shift your mindset to think, I'm, I'm here to make moves. I don't know what they're going to look like next, but I'm going to make moves. 
And whenever God gives me that nudge and I get that spirit prompting me, that moment where he highlights somebody to me, I'm going to say yes because I've already decided to say yes. And when you do, the power of God will be there with you. You share good news and the power of God will be released through your life in unexpected ways. I don't care if you've never laid hands on somebody and seen somebody healed. I don't care if you've ever been translated from one town to another. You don't know what's next. So God, we just say yes. God, we give you our yes. And God, we thank you that you do put us in situations. God, I ask you to continually speak to our hearts. God, give us those next clues. And I feel there's some of you here that feel a little bit of condemnation in your heart because you know you, you dismissed those clues before. You didn't follow those clues. You know what? There's no longer any condemnation. Today's a new day. Cast that burden on Jesus. Today is a new beginning. You start over now. Thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you right now that you do love, and you're going to love through us, through our lives. God, I thank you for situations that you're going to set up even today. God, I thank you for for uh, opportunities that you're going to create even this week. God, I thank you for the lives that are going to be changed in this region because of the yeses that we hear today in this room. God, I thank you that this city of Newcastle will be dramatically changed because of the yeses in this room. And God, we speak to even other churches in this region that, that, that there will be a, like an a, like a, a infectious yes that just travels across this area, regardless of theology, regardless of ideas, that there would be a spread of good news, that the kingdom of heaven would be released across this region just because people say yes. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. How many of you commit your yes today? Will you say yes? Amen. Bless you guys. Bless you all.